You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is a special guest, a friend of the show. It's Joey Ikes. You can follow him on Twitter at Joey Ikes. Joey, what's going on, sir? Not too much, my man. I appreciate you uh, you and Landon being willing to open this thing up to me every now and again whenever I feel like there's stuff i got to get off my chest and it takes more than 280 characters. Yeah, Twitter Twitter is not the best forum to, to get your opinions out there. It, it's awfully tough. So we like having the podcast where we can – we can rant and we can rave a little bit. So let's go ahead and do that. So this morning, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Uh, Jerry Jones had an interview with 105.3 The Fan. And I, I'm laughing as I'm saying this because it's so utterly ridiculous. But uh, Jerry was on 105.3 The Fan talking about the Cowboys offense. And he compared it to the Rams offense and the personnel on offense. Uh, it, it was quite the interview if you didn't get to listen to it. So make sure you go back and check that out. Uh, but Jerry Jones was basically saying that the Rams and the Cowboys offense uh, have a lot of similar pieces. And it's just the execution is the reason why they're not performing at the same level. Uh, Jerry actually cited drop passes and fumbles. And if you can clean those things up, you're going to have an offense that looks very similar to the Rams. Joey, tell us why that's just absolutely insane and why we shouldn't believe Jerry here. Yeah. So the, the funny thing is from a personnel standpoint, I don't really hate his comparison. I think that if you took some of the Cowboys pieces and plugged them into specific roles in the Rams offense, that you'd be able to accomplish some pretty good things on offense. And I think that's what um, he was trying to say, right? If you, if you exactly. switch Zeke and Gurley, there's not a big difference there. Right. If you put if you put Cole Beasley in Cooper Cup's role, and you put Tavon Austin in Brandon Cook's role, and you put uh, Michael Gallup or Alan Hearns or somebody like that in Robert Woods' role, you're going to get eighty percent of what the Rams are personnel wise on offense. And like he they, he he even mentioned the offensive line too. He thought the Cowboys' yeah. offensive line stacked up well with the Rams' offensive line. Exactly. So from that standpoint. Like, I get it where he's going. But the thing is, the question he was asked was design-wise. And you know he didn't watch – he said specifically he didn't watch the Rams play on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> so he, And you know – like I tweeted about it earlier. Like, you know he's not sitting in his office with a glass of Johnny Blue in one hand and a cowboy remote – cowboy clicker remote in the other hand watching the All-22 of the Rams last night against the Vikings to know what their design was on offense. So he do, he avoids the question about design and immediately goes into a question about personnel. But the problem is, is that design is where the whole thing breaks down. And we'll talk about the other part where it breaks down here in a minute. But but the design component of it is where the whole thing breaks down. And what I mean is that like I went and charted the first series of the of the Rams offense last night. And the only the reason that I only did the first series is because I was getting a lot of detail on each snap. So it was tough uh, to get through a lot. But they used 11 personnel on every snap in their first series. 
there was no, oh, well, we've got four tight ends on our roster. We better get them in the game. Or there was no, we've got a fullback on our roster or other running backs on our roster. We better get them in the game. It was, we're going to put our best 11 guys on the field. We're going to move them all over the field. They used pre-snap motion on four plays, which is pretty low, but they used condensed formations, which when when I think of a condensed formation, I think of – a bunch set, stacked receivers, reduced splits from the wide receivers, things like that that condense the formation down. A lot of people have problems with the Cowboys offense from a design standpoint in terms of bringing everybody in tight to the formation because they feel like what you should be doing is spreading everybody out and creating space for Elliott to work when really what you do when you create those tight formations is you bring guys who aren't comfortable playing against the run in when you do it with wide receivers, you bring guys like that. When you right, do it with, right. t- when you bring four tight ends into the game and do it, all you do is bring more linebackers on the field. But, but when you do it with wide receivers and you bring guys close in, you bring cornerbacks in and make them be part of the run front, which they want nothing to do with. And you also create a bunch of traffic in the passing game naturally that naturally creates situations to get guys open. They used a, on 11 out of 13 plays, they used, uh, they used, uh, condensed formations. They used some variation of misdirection, whether it was a bootleg, split zone action, jet sweep action, or a combination of two or three of those on seven of their 13 plays. There was some version of misdirection. And on some of them, like I said, there was jet action going one way and then split zone action going back the other way and like all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and they, they wound up going 75 yards in 13 plays for a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. And that is a sim is a sample of what their offense looks like. And can I add something Cowboys, real quick, really absolutely. quick. And you, you wrote something really awesome on them, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk to you about this specific subject is because of, of the work that you did on that article. So, so go ahead. First of all, uh, one of the things that Sean McVay does really well is he runs plays with a purpose. So, you can tell if they're running the fake jet sweep, they're trying to see how the defenders are going to play it for the rest of the game. Now, they're going to run that fake jet sweep 10, 11, 12 times a game. If they don't honor that jet sweep, they'll run it later in the game. It's not one of these things where, okay, we ran our token one jet sweep fake. Now now we're good. We don't have to run it again. They're going to continue to do these things over and over to see how the defenses are going to play it. And you saw it last night. I think it was Robert Woods had in the third quarter. Uh, they ran the jet sweep, fake jet sweep a bunch of times, and eventually the, the defensive end started to cave in. They gave it to Robert Woods, and he got like a 13-yard gain on first down. So they run plays with a purpose. We don't always see that here in Dallas. Exactly. And so so one of the things about whether it's Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Joe DiFilippo that was running the other offense that right. put up a bunch of points last night, um, these guys work, as you said, with a purpose. Everything works together. So the the split zone action that's there on their bootlegs is also there on their run plays. Yes. So that when when the linebacker sees the guy running split flow against the flow of the the run play, he doesn't immediately know, oh, this is a bootleg. The defensive end doesn't see that guy coming and know, oh, I need to get up the field because the quarterback's going to be booting out towards me here. Um, the other thing they did is they ran play action on six out of eight of their passes. <laughs> and they ran it on they ran it on first down four of the they had let's see one sorry this is terrible radio here. that's right we're good that's 75 percent of the time they're running play action i mean that's exactly that's absolutely one, two, incredible three and four out of those six were on first down 
perfect. And I actually and went the, back and looked and at the a other two. Of them. The other two are on second and four or less. So it was first down or second and four or second and two is when they went to play action. The other thing I was so, going to add in is on a couple of those, because I actually went back and looked at this too. The first three play actions happened with at least seven men in the box. So they're yeah. not running against you know, loaded fronts. They're actually going to use play action, but to suck the linebackers up. You saw a couple times Robert Woods just running free underneath on those play actions because there's no linebackers to, to fill that zone. Exactly. So they ran eight passes on the drive. Six of them had play action and four of them were on first down. So six of their eight passes were either on first or second down. They only fa- they faced two third downs, one was a third and seven, and one was a third and ten. Those were their other two passes on that possession. And one of them, they got the benefit of a hold, a defensive holding penalty that helped them get an automatic first down and continue the drive. Uh, uh, oh, no, actually it was a third and four, not a third and ten. So, so do, they you know, do you know how many third them? downs they had the entire game? It was, it was not very many, and Six. they weren't very good on them. Yeah, Six. like I said, it, yeah. And so – they avoid third downs by getting first downs on early downs. And the way that they do that is rather than running the ball for four yards and running the ball for four yards to set up a third and two that you have to convert, they throw the ball for eight yards and then run the ball for six yards. And all of a sudden it's first down. Again. Canadian football. And they do that. They do that over and over again. Yep. Exactly. And that, that concept is what made the Cowboys offense so good in 2016 is they weren't facing that. They were getting first downs on first down and second down, not getting first downs on third down. And so when you do that, and then you combine being able to do something crazy like convert 50% of third downs or something like that, like like they were in, in years past, that's when you get really good offense. But the Cowboys, are they're putting themselves in these long down and distance situations on third downs. They're blaming it on execution or on game flow or on all of these things as to why we didn't run X more or why we didn't get to these fun wrinkles that we wanted to get to in our offense. But the problem is, is that is that their offensive philosophy seems to be, and I know that I in their minds it's not this, but functionally it is this. It's that we're going to line up on first down and we're going to run the ball into a loaded box 70% of the time. And so on 70% of our first downs, we're going to run the ball into a loaded box. On second down, we're going to be a good 50-50 mix of run-pass. Depending, A lot of it depends on down and distance and all that kind of stuff. But then on third down, we're going to run all our guys to the sticks. We're going to turn them around, and they're going to face the quarterback with no nobody crossing the field, nobody giving any sort of moving target for a coverage to have to deal with. And so they're running into a loaded box on first and second down and throwing at loaded sticks on third down and wondering why they can't move the ball. Offense is all about creating space on the field, which is why, kind of ironically, compressing the formation down for an offense actually creates more space outside and it creates space inside because it lets you cross, it gives easier access to cross the field for your receivers, makes it harder for a man coverage player to pick up, to carry a guy across the field and harder for a zone player to pick up a guy coming across the field. And it, it gives more space on the outside while creating space on the inside as well. So that's why condensed formations like that are so important to teams like the Rams is because it just automatically creates space. So when we hear guys talk about, well, the players aren't playing well, the players aren't making the block, the players aren't catching the ball, the players aren't getting open. Yes, it's true. 
But the problem is, is that the coaching staff's purpose is to put players in position to succeed. The talent gaps in the NFL are just not big enough to consistently rely on talent to win over scheme in the NFL. It's just not. And, and it's been that way for a while. And so because of that, the best teams and the best offenses are doing what the Rams are doing. They're putting defenses in consistent schematic issues and binds. And the thing about the 2016 Cowboys is they were doing a lot of the same things, almost exactly the same things, which is part of the problem is what the 2018 Cowboys are doing. The difference is that the 2016 Cowboys had a Des Bryant on the outside that at one point in the year was averaging like eight catches and 100 yards a game for 10 games. And they had Jason Witten in the middle of the field, occupying players in the middle of the field. They had Cole Beasley running routes out of the slot in the middle of the field. They had those things that were creating those same binds for a defense, but they were doing it with personnel as opposed to scheme. And then they decided to dump all of that personnel in the passing game. Part of it was decided for them, granted, but they decided to dump that personnel in the passing game, not replace it with similar level talent, and then decide that they were going to try to do the same things on offense, which just isn't, it makes no sense. And I don't know if the problem is ignorance or arrogance, but either way, it's pretty bad. All right, I've got lots of thoughts on this Cowboys offense, and we're going to get to them in a second. But let's pause so I can tell you guys about my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you could even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. One of the prop bets on MyBookie right now is the over-under on passing yards for Dak Prescott in Week 4. It's set at 220. I actually kind of like him to go over that this week. I think he's going to go over 225 yards this week. So just something to keep an eye on. So let's go ahead and let's dive back into this Cowboys uh, offense. We know what's wrong with it. I mean, it it doesn't take much to point out what's wrong with the Cowboys offense. We've got about seven minutes left in the show. Let's talk about how they can fix it this year. Uh, We know that they can't make massive overhauls to uh, their skill positions this year. There's just not the the players out there to grab. They can't get a number one receiver in free agency or even by trade. So what can a team do for the rest of the season to maximize their offensive potential. Yeah, I mean, uh, I tweeted about this the other day, uh, and it, it's gotten some traction. And so much of it is help the quarterback pre-snap and help the player, help the skill players post-snap. And by that, what I mean is use a condensed formation to allow your skill players to create space, like we talked about. Use use pre-snap motion on almost every snap to give your quarterback a key into whether he's getting man coverage or zone coverage before the snap use. And then you've got to get your quarterback recognizing things pre-snap better. And the example that I'll go back to is, is 
multiple times in the Seattle game this last week. Seattle lined up with a corner in the slot and press coverage with inside leverage with a safety stacked directly over the top of him in in the coverage scheme. And you know Seattle's going to play single high almost all day, especially against a team like you. So if you have two safeties deep and one of them is stacked directly on top of the slot corner who is playing inside leverage on the slot receiver, that is a slot blitz. Every single time. And they did it several times to the Cowboys. Dak never saw it. He never slid the protection that way. He never – all he had to do was take Ezekiel Elliott and move him from his right side to his left side. And at least one of the sacks and one of the ball, one of the quarterback hits goes away immediately because all of a sudden Zeke doesn't have to try to slide across Dak and cut the guy. All he has to do is step up and make the block. And even if he steps up and cuts him, he steps up and cuts him four yards in front of him as opposed to right in his lap. And so it's little things like that that they're not doing from a design standpoint and pre-snap to give themselves the opportunity. You've got to you've got to use Tavon Austin more uh, because he creates he creates those schematic binds for defenses because of the speed, whether it's going horizontal through jet motion, whether it's down the field in the passing game. He's got to be a staple part of the offense because he's one of only two guys that's generating any explosive plays right now. It's him and it's Zeke and that's it. And then Cole and then Cole Beasley over the middle is pretty reliable. But if you don't get those explosive plays, you can't rely on Cole Beasley. So you got to you got to. You've got to figure out a way to use Tavon Austin and Ezekiel Elliott more effectively in the pass game, and we could get into more detail if we had more time. Uh, and you've got to you've got to figure out a way to help your quarterback snap to make better decisions before the snap. One of the things that Tony Romo has taught us as a commentator is that the NFL is two things: it is a pre-snap line of scrimmage game, and it is a middle of field game. And so if you can win those two areas, you will win all day long. And the reason why the Rams win is because their coach wins at the line of scrimmage because he either gets the team to the line super fast, gets a, gets an adjustment called into golf and they make the adjustment and they go, or they get to the line super fast in a compressed formation with the same personnel all over in different places, run a motion and then take off immediately. And they're, and they're quick counting people. And so they're winning pre-snap at the line of scrimmage that way. And then they're winning over the middle of the field by using play action and things like that. It's those two things that are the key to winning in the NFL. And the Cowboys can't throw the ball to the middle of the field because Dak doesn't like to do it and their tight end's not good, so he's not going to do it. And he's not winning at the line of scrimmage right now, and he really hasn't since his rookie season. Even all the way through his rookie season, he was missing things at the line of scrimmage, which is understandable for a rookie, but he's now 36 starts in, I don't know, some crazy number like 10,000 snaps in or something like that. Uh, Or no, not 10,000, probably closer to 2,500 snaps in or something like that. Um, He should be better at the line of scrimmage than he is, but he's not. And they've got to do things to help him there, and they've got to do things to help their skill players get better. And one of the things that the Cowboys could do is just put their offense into situations that aren't going to kill them. Uh, The Cowboys right now lead the league in second and 10 runs. Uh, if you've seen the stat, I believe it's 19% uh, of teams convert a first down after they run on second and 10. So you're putting yourself behind the eight ball when you run on second and 10 because even a successful run, which is five yards, is still going to put you in a passing down on third right. down. So 
It's if they just if they just flopped their tendency on first down from seventy percent run to seventy percent play action pass, the production on this offense would skyrocket like uh, immediately. Because just because you flip the tendency for six, eight, ten weeks, the defense can't change what their scouting report is on you. Because on those thirty percent of runs, you're still going to destroy them if they do. So if they change the way they play on first down, they'll account for play action pass, then you're going to kill them in the run game because Zeke in this offensive line, despite what people want to tell you, this offensive line is still really freaking good. And so right. if you just flop that tendency, the production on this offense, would, they start playing CFL ball again where they're getting first downs on first down or second down, and they never even touch third down because it would be an easy slant to Alan Hearns on first down turns into second and three, and a handoff to Zeke turns into first and ten after a six-yard gain, and then you do it all over again. And you just do that down the field, and then eventually you're going to hit a big play on play action because you're create you're going counter to what your tendency has been for eight years and, and you're creating, creating space for your players. We'll finish on this, Joey. Do you think the Cowboys will get it turned around this week against the Lions? Do you expect them to have any new wrinkles in their offense that can maybe expose the, the Lions defense? Here, I expect it to play out a lot like the Giants game played out, where the script, the opening script for the first half will be very diverse, a lot of different things, two or three touches for Tavon Austin, a creative run, an RPO, a zone read, those sorts of things. And then in the second quarter, they'll go into their show. Right, I believe that. Because, yep. it, because it will go back to to Scott Linehan calling plays in the flow of the game. And he, his comfort zone in that is run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, throw the ball to the sticks on third down. And so when you take the decision-making process back to in the flow of the game, he's going to have problems. And I don't, the, the problem is, is that, they're going to they will throw little sprinkles like they little wrinkles little sprinkles <laughs> in their scheme occasionally like you could tell when they got in the red zone against Seattle they had that shovel pass play to Taylor oh, already ready oh they were that was the number one play on the on the play sheet for inside the five yard line because they were going up to the line of scrimmage to run it and i think seattle had to call a timeout or something like that and they rolled right back out there in the same formation with Tavon in a reduced split running jet motion across the formation fake the handoff to zeke and then shovel pass it to Tavon. that's the kind of stuff that the the chiefs and the Rams are doing at the 45 yard line on second down and the cowboys are saving it like they're holding on to it for dear life to get inside the five yard line so they can score a touchdown because they don't have faith in their quarterback or their receivers to score touchdowns and so like they're they're not like that's the difference is these things are wrinkles to the cowboys these things are how you play offense to really good offenses right now and so that until that switches until play action becomes the way you play first down instead of a way you keep teams from playing you hard on first down they're, they're going to continue to struggle when they're outside of their script. And so I, I just think we're going to wind up in this cycle where early in the game, every other game, you're going to see these creative wrinkles, and then they're going to go back in their shell in the second quarter and then back into their shell the next game because they, they showed some creativity. They moved, Hey, we proved we can move the ball. Now we're going to go back to moving the ball away. We want to move the ball, not the way that works. And so it's it's extremely frustrating from an analyst standpoint to watch. And the funny thing about it is you've stopped seeing Cowboys fans talk about this kind of stuff. And you started seeing every single national sports outlet write the same article 
whether it's Football Outsiders or The Ringer or ESPN or what, or you name it, all of these national outlets are putting out these articles about how unimaginative and how unsystematic and unstructured the Cowboys' offense is. And it's not from a, it's not a, you can't design a creative play. Creative is the wrong word. It's, it's not structured well. It's not sequenced well. It's none of that stuff goes on in this offense. And the, and to be frank, I think the only way it gets fixed at all is a new play caller in a consistent basis is a new play caller. And I don't think that happens midseason unless we're already in the tank. And the only way I think it gets fixed long term to like the upper echelon extent is the combination of a new play caller and a new quarterback, because like I said, the quarterback just isn't doing enough at the line of scrimmage before the snap or after the snap with his arm and his legs to, to add any value to what the offense has structurally. And so you could fix it some with structure and some with system, but in order for it to reach the upper echelon, you're, you're going to have to make a change at quarterback also. And we shall see how it works out in week four against the Lions. I am normally pretty pessimistic about the Cowboys offense, but this is typically the type of game that Jason Garrett does just enough yes. to, to save his job. For There's a, a reason he's week. like never been two games below 500. Like he just, the, the way he coaches and we talk all the time. One of the things we like about Jason Garrett is the players play for him. For some reason they show up every <laughs> single week and they play hard for him. And, and that has value. He's a very good coach from like Monday until Saturday. And, and I think the offensive coordinator might be a good offensive coordinator from Monday through Saturday, but on Sundays they're not doing a great job, but on this Sunday, the players will play hard enough. They'll run into the right opponent at the right time. They'll make the right number of plays, and they'll win. And Jerry Jones will come on the radio next Monday or Tuesday and talk about how great they looked and how this is why he had so much faith in them. And then seven days later, we'll be having the opposite conversation again. And this is why this team has the 8-8 eight and eight field that it has, despite the fact that their record over the course of the last several years is far from 8-8. Eight and eight. We shall see. All right, Joey, thanks for coming on. We always appreciate your time. Hey, man, uh, thanks it. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow Joey at Joey Ikes uh, on Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you after the Cowboys game on Sunday. Landon and I will be back to break it all down. Have a great weekend. We will see you next time. 